Oh, shit. It's the coin toss. One surprise question off the rip. Uh, two sides of a coin. Three sides of a strange coin. This time, definitely. Let's get it. John, you do have the coin, right? Oh, yes, sir. I've got that coin right here. Fantastic. Tarek, heads or tails? Fuck it. Heads. What? You son of a bitch. You're not going to believe it. It's tails. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I I would not have it any other way. Trey, please take your take the tails honor. Oh, I will. Trey, uh, would you would you like the ball or would you like to defer it back to Tarek there? Give me the ball and I'm gonna score. All right. You are a Julio Jones manager. You've been listening to the rumblings and all that shit. Rumor has it he wants out of Atlanta. So just because he wants that doesn't mean it's going to happen. And uh, so tell me, I guess, is it better for Julio's fantasy value to stay in Atlanta or for him to be traded? So short answer is it is better for him to stay put in Atlanta. Uh, typically, wide receivers who change teams in the offseason aren't as successful uh, when they move to a new team. We've seen two huge exceptions to that rule with Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins last year. But uh, law of averages says uh, that's probably not going to be the case for Julio Jones. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank, and playing with the team he knows, with the quarterback he knows, is the best bet for him in 2021, fantasy-wise. All right, Angry T, uh, why is it best for him to go? It, well, if there's anybody that can compare to Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, it's Julio Jones. And I think there are situations and that it's possible that his fantasy value remains the same or goes up. And two of those situations to me are either the Chargers or the Colts. I think the Chargers with Justin Herbert uh, and that pass-heavy offense would be great. Uh, I also think the Colts are starving for a number one receiver. I don't think T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman are that. Huh? That, that works for me, dude. Uh, but the strange coin here. It's so strange. John, you are a Kyle Pitts manager. So is it better for Pitts if Julio stays or if Julio goes? I honestly think that Kyle Pitts is, needs a year to acclimate to the NFL. I want to see uh, Julio stay and suck so that Kyle Pitts can get that confidence boost. It's like, wow, I'm a lot better than uh, Julio Jones. I truly <laughs> am the tight end. Too. Maybe I'm even the tight end one. I think that'd be really good for Kyle Pitts' uh, confidence, don't you? John, I thought you were a believer. What do you What do you mean he needs a year? I thought he was going to take the, the world by storm this year. He is, but he just needs a little confidence boost. He needs like, to dethrone Julio, I guess. That's right. Guys, Julio Jones, notorious for sucking at football. <laughs> that's probably not what he's going to do this year. That was a strange, strange coin, Mitch. Good job. It, it's the strangest coin there is. So strange. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic roasting the shit out of the Los Angeles Clippers. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, just kidding. A weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry T. Benshuya. With me, as always, after a week off, good to have you guys back, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. John, are you out of school yet, Mr. Teacher? I think we got a couple of days left or something, but I, I'm out. Yeah, sure. I haven't been doing much. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I'm sitting here spellbound because I feel like I haven't seen Mitch in like a month. Welcome back, Mitch. Hey, back again, again. 
What's happening, guys? You know, you had that little break, and then we had another break. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not on board with only seeing you once every two weeks, buddy. No. Yeah, it's not chill. Trey, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm good. I'm good. I needed the uh, the break last week. Uh, congrats to you and your uh, your Mavs taking care of the Clippers in uh, two games. Uh, let me tell you, as a uh, a suffering Rockets fan, uh, you got them right where you want them. So uh, good luck, buddy. Thanks, man. I was up very late last night. Uh, drank a lot of beer, so you know. But I got enough energy from the wind to get through this podcast. I'm excited about it. And speaking of this podcast, guys, we've been talking about rookies since we launched the podcast, so all seven episodes. And to be honest, we mostly talked about rookies before we launched the podcast when we were piloting. So it's been a long time talking about rookies, and we are excited to talk about veterans. And it'll be therapeutic, to be honest, for me. So here's our goal. Over the next eight weeks, a whole two months, we are going to be spending this podcast talking about every dynasty relevant player in the NFL. So uh, we're going to go division by division. We were originally thinking about doing two divisions per episode and getting it done in a month, but we kind of decided to stretch our legs and allow us and our listeners to really dive deep into thinking about all these players on these different teams. So going division by division today, we're starting with the NFC East. We will just go ahead and jump into our first half. And in the first half, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. So let's start in Dallas. Uh, it's only right considering the Dallas Mavericks win last night. And the we will start with the quarterback, the $100 million man, Dak Prescott. Some might say he is the Luka Doncic of Dallas football. Okay, that's, that's my last Dallas Mavericks <laughs> reference. I'm, I'll, I'll stop now. All right, Dak Prescott, consensus QB number five in our rankings. Mitch has him all the way at at number three. He is the highest on him out of all of us. And I, the Dallas Cowboys fan, am actually the lowest at number six. So, Mitch, why don't you talk to us about Dak Prescott, what you think he could be for Dynasty Fantasy Football moving forward, coming off the injury? Well, he could very easily be the number one, the number two, the number three quarterback this year next year, the following year. He's already shown it. He showed it at the beginning of last year um, before he got injured. That offense is just crazy good. And yeah, number three for me seems seems right. Yeah, I, I agree with Mitch. I think he's he's a lock for uh, to end the season as a top five quarterback this year. Uh, Dallas still doesn't have much in the way of defense, so they're going to be uh, Running a lot of plays on offense, uh, probably throwing the ball quite a bit. Uh, it's going to give Dak a ton of pass attempts when he's actually pretty efficient. You know, we know we know he's pretty good. He's also got the uh, the upside on the running game. It's not the same level as uh, you know Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, but it's definitely in line with guys like Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert, who we've also got in this uh, top tier, this top six quarterback. So. I definitely like him in this tier. Obviously, uh, Dak's the old man of the bunch at 27. Uh, so I think having him down at five or six makes a lot of sense for Dynasty. But uh, for redraft, as Mitch already said, he could very easily turn into the QB1 uh, performance this year. John, so you in the past have been a little bit more hesitant about uh, people like Joe Burrow coming off the injury um, are you worried about Dak Prescott's injury, that ankle kind of compound fracture, really uh, shitty ankle injury? Are we worried about that? 
I, I wouldn't say worried. I think it's an open question. I, I, for me, qu quarterbacks two through five is a coin flip. Uh, and I could very well see Dak end up as QB2 this year. And that's why I've got him as at five because of that question. But if he comes back 100% uh, healthy, he's locked and loaded. And he's, prob he's, he's, like I said, anywhere between QB2 and QB5 in Dynasty for me. Yeah, I have um, kind of this QB2 through QB6. So Patrick Mahomes, obviously, in a land by himself. But then I have Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson just all clustered together. Like you could essentially trade one for one and I would not be mad at you. The reason I have Dak Prescott at the bottom is just because I think some of these guys, Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, have that insane rushing floor and upside um, that I don't think Dak quite has. Dak has scored a good amount of rushing touchdowns in his career in Dallas. I think his first couple of years, it was like six touchdowns per year, just bank it. Um, I do expect that to regress a little bit. Um, and I just think that like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray are going to put up rushing touchdowns and rushing yards no matter what. And then as far as Justin Herbert, I just think the youth, the live arm, the, the, the ceiling is just kind of like, you know, close to Mahomes. Whereas I don't think I can quite get there with Dak Prescott. Well, Any, Tarek, Tarek yeah. don't forget, this is a 17 game season now. So, uh, I mean, how much is Dak really going to regress down to five touchdowns? Yeah. So I, I'd say five, five rushing touchdowns is a lock for Dak this year. Sure. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's 17 games for everybody, but you know, not, not just Dak. <laughs> You get a freebie deck. You know, it's it's just weird. We have to adjust, and this is yeah. this is something that's been like kind of annoying to me because I've uh, gone through the exercise of doing uh, projections for all these guys, and it's just a first draft. But it's really annoying trying to compare year to year when you're dealing with 17 games versus 16. Well, yeah, part of this exercise too, we wanted to talk about who was a target or who maybe was a fade, and. I would definitely, if I don't have Dak on my team, I at least want to see the temperature of the player or of the manager that has Dak because he is coming off an injury. And perhaps you drafted one of the top three rookie quarterbacks this year and might want to package him plus a pick or something like that for Dak Prescott. So if you believe that he's as good as we are talking about, I mean, we have him, our consensus top five, top three. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in a, I was telling y'all earlier in a super flex league, I traded uh, the pick that ended up being Justin Fields, a 2022 first and a 2023 first for Dak Prescott and a couple of like thirds as throw ins. So this is a guy that if I'm a contender, I'm paying up for. So you're not concerned about the injury is what you're saying? No, not at all. Not at all. I think I think he'll be fine. Yeah, that's correct. All right. So let's move on to the running backs. And at the top of the depth chart in Dallas, as he has been since Dak Prescott was the quarterback, is Ezekiel Elliott. He is our consensus ranked RB14. He's gotten a lot of work in his career since 2016 and over 1,400 carries to be exact. And kind of the general knowledge cutoff for an RB fall off is about 1,800 carries. But honestly, I haven't done enough research to kind of validate that or form a real opinion. I mean, he's still very young. He's about to turn only 26 in July. So despite the carries, he's he he's still a very young running back. Uh, and then Tony Pollard kind of is the is the guy behind Dak and on his touches kind of looked like he had more juice than Zeke at times. And he's our consensus RB 38. So let's start with Zeke. All of us have him in the same range. Mitch is actually the highest on him at RB13. So 
what makes you think he is still a borderline RB1 in Dynasty, whereas like a lot of the community is kind of fading on him fast? So I had Zeke behind originally um, Aaron Jones and Miles Sanders, but I did move him ahead of those those guys because I feel like he has the ability to have a top 10 or top five finish this upcoming year or the next year, potentially. And I, I just I feel like he's in that fringe because he has that top end ability. Now, yeah, I'm a little worried about him, too, though, like. If I'm not contending, I'm definitely trying to move him, but I, I still think he could win you a league. Well, I would I would just clarify that a little bit and say I would wait till like week four or five, let him get a few awesome games and then try to move him. I think right now is not the right time to move him, but let let everyone see that he's still a guy that's going to score a bunch of touchdowns and then cash in. That's what I would do. If you're a contender, I'm definitely going for him because I feel like his value is a little too low in everybody's consensus. Mm-hmm. 15 just doesn't seem right for Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, he's a great target for a contending team for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Tr- yeah. Trey, what's your what's your feeling on this running back room in Dallas? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think Zeke is a great target. He uh like Mitch, uh I feel like I want to move him up higher and I'm just looking for, you know, guys that I want to put him above, but he I think the reason why we're so low on him in the off season is just because of how much of a disaster last year was, right? Like with the injury to Dak and with all the injuries along the offensive line, uh, we definitely saw Zeke kind of slow down last year. I think he was pretty bad in his yards per carry, like only averaging around like four yards per carry or whatever. And, uh, you know, obviously that's going to happen when you've got Andy Dalton as your quarterback and, you know, nothing in the way of defense and and everybody else is just keying on the uh, the running game there. So, you know, I, I think Zeke is a great value right now as the, um, you know, a low end RB1, high end RB2 in uh, these startup rankings. I would definitely think it's in the range of possibilities for him to put in a top five uh, year this year with just the volume he's going to get in Dallas. And uh, yeah, I know Pollard gets a little bit of love out there for the juice that he's shown. Um He's not somebody I would actively target, but he definitely has some upside if you're going more of like, you know, just looking for a high upside uh, handcuff. He's definitely still one of the better handcuffs in the game. Yeah, I I am the most aggressive on Tony Pollard at RB33. Um, I just think that Zeke, uh, as he's getting older and as he gets more touches on his body, is he's eventually going to have some injuries and he showed that a little bit last year. And when he did, Tony Pollard balled out. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to, I actually did ding him like two spots while I was preparing for this episode today, because I don't want to be that guy. That's just like waiting on the, you know, the Ben Tates and the Nile Davises of the world to like break out. You know, I think Tony Pollard is a good running back. And if he gets the opportunity, he can be really good in that Dallas offense. So I think he's just a forever handcuffed to me. Yeah, I think that's fair too. So I'll, I'll have to reevaluate. But so uh, let's move on to these pass catchers. And in terms of wide receivers, there's an obvious big three in Dallas. Um, and, you know, we want to talk about who will be the best in 2021 and who will be the best long term for Dynasty. So right now we have CeeDee Lamb, uh, the 2020 rookie, coming in at wide receiver nine in our rankings. Amari Cooper as wide receiver 20 in consensus and Michael Gallup at wide receiver 50. Let's start with uh, the young God, CeeDee Lamb. I have him at wide receiver four. All of our friends know how I feel about CeeDee Lamb. I think, you know, throughout this, the life of this podcast, I will be letting our listeners know how much I love CeeDee Lamb. 
But let's start with somebody else about CD Lamb, and then I'll I'll come in and and shower praise. Well, let me be the counterpoint then, because I'm probably pretty <laughs> low relative to everyone else, because I've got him at... Throw some uh, cold water on the situation, John. Well, you know, and uh, I'll start low. He goes high, right? Uh, but yeah. I have him at 15, right? Because uh, I, I see the potential, but I think we're talking about a pretty small sample size, the number of games he actually played with Dak. He looked fantastic, but I would just be more comfortable wait, having a full season's worth of games. So maybe week six, I'm right there with you. But uh, so far... He, I've liked what I've seen, but I haven't liked him enough to move him into the top 12. Like, I just want to see it consistently. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely could happen, but it could equally, maybe not equally, but it could, it's definitely possible that it could go the other way as well and that he has some sort of regression. I, I'm taking a wait and see approach, but I, I mean, go get your guy, right? I, I, I'm not going to fault anybody for being ahead on a guy, but I just for like the average person, I think that it's an an open question whether or not Amari Cooper or C.D. Lamb is going to be the guy, at least this season. I think Lamb is the alpha in that situation because uh, Lamb is not going to disappear like Cooper does at times. Lamb is going to be involved in the offense as where Cooper seems to be the third person involved in that offense behind Zeke, behind Lamb, and likely behind Dak. So... Yeah, I mean, here, I will just say on CD Lamb, I have him at wide receiver four. He's a tier one receiver for me. And I know that's aggressive. I just I want to be ahead of the market on him because I think his ceiling is wide receiver one. And I would be legitimately surprised if he does not spend his prime as a top five wide receiver dynasty asset. Like I will legitimately be legitimately be surprised because of the offense he's in, the quarterback he's attached to, as well as just his raw talent that I've loved since he was at Oklahoma. So Trey, let's let's move on to Amari Cooper. Um, we have him at wide receiver 20. Do you think that he will probably be the better receiver fantasy-wise in 2021? Or is it kind of a toss-up for you between him and Lamb? It's definitely a toss-up. So just looking at the last three years, Amari Cooper has averaged seven, seven and a half, and eight targets a game. And CeeDee Lamb came in as a rookie and started out at seven targets a game, right? So obviously it's hard to put too much weight into last year because it was Lamb's rookie season. And obviously Dak was out for you know the majority of the year. But I think Amari Cooper gets the slight edge in terms of volume, but it's probably going to be really close. So I think both of them are locks for wide receiver two type uh, performances this year with the upside for wide receiver one performances. If one of the guys does get the edge with uh, with Dak and that target share. And I guess the only other piece of the puzzle is what happens to Amari Cooper's contract after this season, right? Because isn't this a contract year for him? Yeah. So he's, he's on the books for another three years after this, but they only have like a $6 million cap hit if they cut him after 2021. So it's a pretty serious out. And I thought they would restructure him, but they haven't yet. So maybe they're just trying to roll over that cap in the next year. Yeah. I mean, Amari Cooper has a ton of, a pedigree behind him, you know, coming out of Alabama, he's shown, you know, a ton of production on the field in the NFL. Yeah. He's been a frustrating fantasy uh, wide receiver at times, but uh, if he's not an elite asset for, you know, Dallas in 2022 and beyond, he will definitely find a landing spot somewhere else in the league. So I, I like uh, lamb as a top 10 option for dynasty right now. And Cooper, I think belongs in the top 20. Okay. 
All right, and John, we have my Michael Gallup at wide receiver 50. Do you think he is worth targeting because he's kind of pushed so far down the board and he's played really well for the Cowboys over the last couple of years? Yeah, he's a consistent player, but I just don't see any way that the offense can make him uh, relevant enough to be fantasy viable. I think he's going to be an important piece of the Dallas Cowboys offense, but I don't think he's somebody, a guy that you can reliably start. Um, just because that I think when he's going to have big games, maybe occasionally, but I don't see that happening consistently. There's just too many mouths to feed out there. And he's clearly the lowest on the, in the pecking order there. Definitely a good, like best baller DFS option more than like a dynasty option. I, I do think that Gallup is somebody worth rostering and throwing in when you need like a high upside game. But, you know, I mean, he's wide receiver 50 in our ranks for a reason. Let's talk about the tight ends really quickly. We got Blake Jarwin at tight end number 28. Trey, you're the highest, relatively speaking, on Jarwin at tight end 24. Do you think he could be a valuable tight end depth piece moving forward 2021 and beyond? Yeah, so I don't know about valuable. I think he's a mid-range option. A lot of that is just based off of how I think they use the tight end position in Dallas. I think he's clearly more talented than Dalton Schultz is. Uh, I I don't think he's super special as a a player, but I think he is going to be the lead tight end on the field for that offense. And we just saw uh, Dalton Schultz get five and a half targets a game last year. So I think a majority of those targets are going to end up going to Jarwin. So even if he's in that four target a game range, I he could project to put up a similar season this year to guys that we love like I don't know Herb Smith or somebody like that. Yeah, I I think I'm on Team Schultz because he didn't tear his ACL last year and he's okay two years younger and put up a tight end 17, which you know not even that great, but hey, he's trending in the right direction. And when I looked up Jarwin's previous seasons, those didn't look great. So. If I have to air one way, I'm going uh, Schultzy. Yeah, I mean, neither of these guys are strong targets. Let's have uh, an argument about two irrelevant fantasy uh, players. <laughs> That's what Dynasty's that right all now. about, baby. <laughs> That's right. Let's 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 talk about more uh, Dynasty irrelevant players on the Washington Football Team. We will move on here, starting with the quarterback Ryan Fitzmagic, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We have him at QB 30 in our consensus rankings. Now, Mitch and I are a bit more bullish than John and Trey. So what's the deal there, John and Trey? Is is Taylor Heineke a real threat for you guys or, or what's up? I, I don't think that he's a threat this season, but I think there's two things here that are playing into my calculus. This season. Uh, that he, for one thing... I don't think there's any way that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the starting quarterback beyond this season. I think this is a one year thing and you need to realize that there's a huge, if you're going to invest in this guy, that there's a huge cliff. And the other thing is he wasn't guaranteed the starting job. I fully expect that he'll win it. But I think the fact that when he was signed, they didn't guarantee him the starting job tells you everything you need to know about what they view Fitzpatrick as. And that's just a guy that's going to get him through the season Maybe he wins a bunch of games this year, but uh, it's going to be a guy who's just a bridge to whatever it is they're planning to do in the future. That's the way I'm seeing it anyway. Look, I, I'm sorry. I have to take you to task here because here are some guys you have ahead of Ryan Fitzpatrick in your quarterback ring. Let's get him. Get him. Kyle Trask, Mitchell Trubisky, Jimmy Garoppolo, Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Like, Okay, well... I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in and defend John here a little bit. Yeah, cause... shit. All right. I call next then. You know, because all of those guys that you mentioned are at least like 25 years old or younger. I, I don't actually know how old Jimmy G is, but most of them are backups. 
Okay. Right, but well, they're like not actively starting in the, and they and they're also like not great. I don't sorry. I mean so what I mean what are you looking for here with Fitzpatrick? Are you, are you playing like Superflex? Um if if you are then Fitzmagic is way higher than all the guys Tarek just mentioned first of all. This dude This year. Yeah, this year. Are you are you playing fantasy football this year? Like he's going to be more relevant than those Do we expect Mitchell Trubisky to be more relevant than him in 2 years? I He's in a good spot in Washington. He signed a one-year contract. Yeah, I guess I guess there is a, a pretty significant difference in how you value the position between one QB and Superflex. So I definitely am looking at this through the one QB lens. Okay. If you are in Superflex League, I get where he's got some appeal, right? Because he probably is going to be a quarterback too with upside this year. So yeah, I mean, sure, go for a one-year rental on somebody who's cheap, but... In a one QB league, he has virtually no value. And in redraft this year, he's probably going to start out the season on your waiver wire. Uh, so I, I just I don't see uh, the benefit of you know going for him as a rebuilder. Obviously, he's thirty eight, and as a contender, you better have a better quarterback option than Ryan Fitz- Fitzpatrick on your team. Well, most likely you will. I'd say if you're a contender, and that's not a bad backup plan in my opinion, unless you guys are really afraid of Tyler Hankey, who uh, you know. <laughs> Let's face it, we're not. This is the first time in a long time Fitz has no pressure from some dude behind him trying to take his spot. I, I think it's I think it's very clearly in the realm of possibilities that on a points per game basis, he's a top eight, top five quarterback in 2021. I think that because we've seen that ceiling when he played both in Tampa Bay and with the New York Jets and with the Miami Dolphins, like he puts up big games. So if, if he can well, do- let's talk about his weapons, though, like. There's a reason we feel this way. Yeah, let, we we can move on to the weapons. I mean, obviously, we have a pretty big disagreement here about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but let's move on to the running backs first. And we have Antonio Gibson at RB11 in our consensus ranking, so um, a, a low end RB1, and I think his ceiling is a lot higher than that. He did score 11 touchdowns last year on relatively limited touchdowns. So do we think he can maintain that kind of production in this offense or are we we betting on his volume to go up? Well, I think he won the job legitimately last year. He he mm-hmm. he proved that he has the capability of being a three down back. Now, he had the little injury at the end of the year. So I think the big, biggest question to me is how healthy does he stay? Because he didn't play all that uh, much at the running back position in college. And so we're, we're kind of still dealing with that limited sample space. But I think that what we saw last year is very much uh, sustainable, and I expect him to be right there in the running back one conversation, oh, one through 12, I mean, of course. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think when he was drafted, the coach compared him to Christian McCaffrey, and we all we all laughed. But, I mean, maybe he was being serious, and maybe that's that's the ideal here. And if that's the case, then, yeah, let's, let's go for it. I, th- I think the biggest issue that Gibson has is that they clearly liked what they have in J.D. McKissick last mm-hmm. year, and they manufactured ways to get McKissick the ball. They got him touches on the ground, and they gave him a ton of volume through the air. So uh, I, I think McKissick is still going to be a factor in this offense. Unfortunately, he's capping uh, Gibson's upside a little bit uh, compared to some of the other uh, you know running backs that are in this range. But you know, if something were to happen to McKissick, like if you miss time due to injury, Gibson would be a top five option every single week with the volume he'd get Ooh, on right. the ground and through the air. Spicy, I like it. I like that absolutely. Oh, I feel that man because Gibson to me looks complete. He looks like that three down back and like McKissick. Yeah, I he was 
for fuck's sake, he was targeted targeted 14 times and 15 times in the passing game week 9 and 10 respectively last year. Yeah. Huge volume. <laughs> so absurd. Alex Alex Smith, man. Yeah, Alex Smith spent all of last year t- like doing checkdowns to Logan Thomas and Eddie McKissick. But I'm just not <laughs> yeah. afraid of the receptions going away from Gibson. Like his volume wasn't even very high last year at all. It was what he did with the volume that he had that we have him so highly ranked. Like, yeah, McKissick's definitely going to get his, but, uh, you know. I mean, look, a strength of Antonio Gibson coming out of Memphis was that he was a pass catcher throughout most of his time there, right? Right. And we actually saw him just run the ball a lot last year in Washington and didn't really catch a lot of passes relative to what we thought. So I think, I, you know, the ceiling is really high. Uh, RB11, I could see a year from now him being a top six running back in Dynasty. I just wanted to mention Jarrett Patterson, the undrafted free agent from Buffalo. And I only wanted to mention him because I know that both John and Mitch were like relatively high on him in their rookie rankings pre-draft so john what do you think of this landing spot uh i think it's a good place for him to to develop um you you know you you never you never want to get too excited about undrafted free agent running back sometimes they pan out but most of the time they don't Mm -hmm. but this is a guy that you know he comes from the small school of buffalo and uh he had the eight touchdown game he set the ncaa record so there's a lot to be excited about definitely a guy to keep your eye on not the kind of guy that you want to like sell your ship or your farm for uh but you know if he's sitting on your waiver wire uh, maybe a guy to stash on your taxi squad uh, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely a stash. He's gonna be on the radar when you have such a clear path to uh, to touches like that because of the the running back committee there in Washington. Cool. All right, let's move on to these pass catchers. We'll start with the wide receivers. Terry, scary Terry McLaurin, F one, whatever you want to call him. We have him wide receiver seven in our consensus, and I think ECR and DLF both have have him at wide receiver eleven. So as a group, we're pretty aggressive here on Terry, even though he hasn't really finished in that range in his first two years in terms of the counting stats at the end of the season. He's kind of been more of a, of a wide receiver too, low end wide receiver too. So uh, I think all of us um, are pretty aggressive on Terry McLaurin. Somebody go ahead and just give the bull case for him. Let me, uh, let me jump in here because uh, we, what we've seen Terry McLaurin do you said he hasn't been in that wide receiver seven range. It's because he hasn't had a quarterback. And we this is just jumping right back into that other conversation. So now he's got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's well known for chucking the ball downfield. Now, sometimes that leads to touchdowns. Sometimes that leads to interceptions. But Terry McLaurin's never had a quarterback like that in Washington. And I just think it raises his ceiling through the roof uh, in terms of touchdowns because uh, he's going to have a quarterback. I mean, we saw it. Uh, we've seen the potential. We can see, we see that he can get downfield, open downfield. And now he's going to have a quarterback who can actually land it to him. And I think that's very exciting. He's going to be Fitzpatrick's new Deshaun Jackson. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, okay. So speaking of Deshaun Jackson, let's actually talk about um, a, a guy that has drawn comparisons to him. And that's the rookie, Deami Brown, who we have as wide receiver 52. And we'll loop back and talk about Curtis Samuel. But just because you said Deshaun Jackson, I want to get into Deami Brown. Wide receiver 52, this is a field stretcher. This is a guy that we've been kind of telling everyone to target in the second round of their rookie drafts. Trey, I know you've been high on Deami Brown throughout the process. Got a little bit worse of draft capital than maybe we were hoping for. But are you still excited about his potential in this offense? Yeah, I am. Uh, and I'm not scared that he went in the third round. I think that's about right, even if it was closer to the end of the third. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of competition for targets. Uh, Terry McLaurin commanded 
almost nine targets a game last year. So he's gonna. I think he's gonna get. Uh, you know, eight his eight nine targets again this year. Uh, Curtis Samuel obviously is a Matt Harmon darling, right? Reception perception loves him. So I think he's gonna command some work too. So I'm just not sure that there's enough volume to go around to really give Deami Brown the rookie season that we need for him to get for us to really believe in him. So as much as I like the player, uh, you know, it's not a great situation uh, just because this isn't really a high uh, or it hasn't in the past been a high volume offense for the receiver position. Yeah. Trey, I think you forgot about one annoying uh, signing at wide receiver for fantasy there. And that's uh, Adam Humphreys. I definitely uh, forgot about Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Who, uh, (laughs) was quoted on saying Fitzpatrick was a big reason that he was uh, going there. And uh, I love that. Well, Fitzpatrick was also quoted back on the romance. Humphreys is uh, one of the smartest slot receivers that I've ever played with. So, so remember when Adam Humphreys said he chose to go to Tennessee over New England because he wanted to play with Marcus Mariota whoa, more whoa, than whoa. Tom Brady? First of all, <laughs> the Titans did beat the Patriots in the playoffs the, uh, the following okay. year. And uh, he had nothing to do with it. I just wanted to throw that. And then, out there. and then Tom Brady won his what, like, hu- like hundredth Super Bowl. <laughs> Go Titans, so. dude! Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing with the thing with Humphreys is uh, they still have uh, they have a lot of other guys in that room, and they have Kelvin Harmon, who you know caught thirty passes in twenty nineteen before like he missed I said, all of last year. It's annoying for everybody that's not Terry McLaurin or Curtis. Yeah. is basically what we're all agreeing with here. Yeah, there's a, a it's a big room. Okay, John. So Curtis Samuel, you got him at wide receiver twenty nine. So you know, give us, give us, give us what you got. I think he's uh, baseline wide receiver three this year, uh, and he's definitely got wide receiver two upside. We talked about how J.D. McKissick might steal some of the passing work out of the backfield from Gibson. I think it's equally likely that Curtis Samuel fills in, plays in the backfield a bit, like he was playing uh, for the Panthers last year. Maybe taking some touches, making some, taking some passes out of the backfield. I think. He's going to get huge volume. I, I hope that they watched the tape from last year, and that's why they paid big bucks to go get him. Uh, and so I'm very bullish on Curtis Samuel. He's a guy that I, I'm trying to get on all of my teams uh, mm-hmm. because I, I love Terry McLaurin, but I think Curtis Samuel's got the receiving upside and the rushing upside, and I love guys like that. Yeah, and I'll just say this, because, uh, John, you know I've, I've been a hater in the past, uh, but he's never had more than six and a half targets a game uh, in his career. So if he does get huge volume, this will be the first time. Relatively huge. He's, he's a, he's a fucking baller. I love Curtis Samuel. All right. So uh, quickly on the tight ends, this is probably going to be the theme of this episode. Let's go quickly through the tight ends. Um, We have Logan Thomas at consensus tight end 15. I'm actually the highest on him at tight end 15. Trey has him at tight end 16. Uh, Logan Thomas, former quarterback, really athletic guy. Like Trey said earlier, uh, Alex Smith dumped it off a lot to him. So he had uh, ended up with a a really good year, a top 10 tight end year last year. So I don't know. What do we think? Are we trying to target these guys, put them on our rosters? Here's the dude. Here's the deal. He was a, he was an illusion last year and they have too many real options now. Like he had a, he had a great season, but like, if you look at any of his previous work, I'm pretty sure he's going back to blocking and I'm fading. That's where I'm at on him. Wow. So is the, is there just no tight end that you're, you're excited about or targeting in the Washington football team locker room? Not in that, not in that offense, not in a Fitzpatrick offense. He was thrown to the Gesicki uh, uh, quite a bit last year, if I'm recalling correctly. 
Yeah, and Logan yeah. Thomas finished as a top five uh, tight end last year, so I, I wouldn't fade him completely. I think it's more likely he drops down into the tight end two range than completely, you know, fades away. But uh, I, he's already shown top five upside because he literally did it last year. Yeah, he's one of those six, tight end six to sixteen guys for me. He he could end up anywhere in that range, I think. Hope hopefully he is not uh, the tight end one on your dynasty roster. We'll just say that. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he's twenty nine is definitely working against him. All right, Mike, check for thusly to wit. It is halftime. Woo! All right, so just a quick reminder: halftime is a question that I ask of our panelists, and they each give me an argument-based answer, and I arbitrarily choose who I think had the best argument. This week's question is: We've been talking about rookies, so what is a veteran, i.e., non-rookie receiver outside of the top sixty? in DLF ADP that you're targeting in a rebuild. John, you go first, bud. So uh, I, I'm going to I'm gonna go deep down the list here, and I'm going to go all the way down to like wide receiver 70-something. I'm going to say Van Jefferson here. And the reason is, uh, if you're in a rebuild, you're, you're looking to acquire assets cheaply and draft capital. And I think at wide receiver 77, I think is what he is. Uh, you can get him pretty cheap, maybe for a third rounders. Uh, somebody who drafted him in the third round just wants him off the roster. You could go get him, and I I like his potential. I know that they drafted uh, Tutu, uh, but he's going to be the field stretcher guy, which Van Jefferson was never going to be. Cooper Cup's there until he dies. He signed like a ten year, I mean it's five five year contract, but Robert Woods has an out in his contract after this year. I'm not sh- I'm not thinking Van Jefferson is going to be relevant this year. Uh, but if you're rebuilding, you don't care about that. If Robert Woods does indeed get cut after this year, uh, which, you know, is definitely within the realm of possibility, I think Van Jefferson steps right in there as either the wide receiver two or three in that offense. And if Matthew Stafford is still around, I think that makes him a valuable asset in the future, starting in 2022. Okay. All right. So, Mitch, we'll go with you next. Who is a receiver outside the top 60 that you're targeting? Well, I got a fun one and a homer pick here, guys. Uh, who else is playing wide receiver on the Titans? That's that's the question after A.J. Brown. And it, it seems like Josh Reynolds is uh, the wide receiver number two on that squad right now. And uh, just so happened, Tannehill finished quarterback seven in fantasy last year. And uh, Josh Reynolds is ranked number wide receiver 47. Uh, I quit. 47. 77, as uh, John mentioned, Van Jefferson uh, that's apparently what Josh Reynolds is too. Um, but that's, that's, uh, that's waiver wire pickup price. Like he, he was in an offense behind Bobby trees and Cooper cup and Brandon cooks. He never really had much time to, uh, do much on that offense. And he's 26 years old. Who knows? Like, uh, he's, he's going to get some opportunities just because everybody around him is either a rookie or just didn't get much opportunities last year at all. So he's worth a look. Let me just clarify and say Van is 77 in my rankings, like 86th ah, in DLF. Yeah, seven, DLF 77 or 47 or whatever I said. No, he was 77 in the uh, rankings that we went off. We're, we're not great at numbers here. Let me just take a few seconds to uh, ding a few points off of John. All right, Trey. Go ahead and give me that L go right ahead, now. Go ahead, Trey. Take this dub. Whew. Okay. Uh, Brian Edwards, wide receiver 65 in DLF ADP. He missed uh, four games last year due to uh, injury as a rookie. And then uh, by the time he came back, Derek Carr had already found his new best friend in Nelson Aguilar and never really looked his way again. But uh, 
he was a third round pick uh, last year. He had a great college profile with like an age 18 breakout and a 40% college dominator at South Carolina. Now Aguilar is gone. Uh, Smoke is there, but you know, he's never really stopped anybody else from getting their targets. And his only other competition is Henry Ruggs and uh, Renfro. So, you know, he only had 15 targets last year, but he also averaged uh, almost 13 yards per target, which is a better rate than basically everybody else in the NFL, including Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore. So if he could get up to somewhere in the range of like 15% target share, you're looking at a 1,000-yard season uh, based on that kind of production. So I think there's a ton of upside if he can, you know, come out as the lead guy in that room. He just went from 15 targets to 1,000 yards. Wow, that was pretty impressive. Can we all just lose uh, this <laughs> this week? No, I, got, I have a winner. I have a winner, but I want to say before I announce the winner that I appreciate that Brian Edwards is Justin Jefferson. I love that. <laughs> uh, I'm, actually, I'm actually, you know, to everyone's surprise, I'm going to choose John here, even though I what? hate Van Jefferson. What? Even, even though I hate Van Jefferson, I thought your argument was really good. He's very cheap. You can acquire him very cheaply. He's got the draft capital. And I I like the idea that he could be the Robert Woods replacement in a year, wide receiver two or wide receiver three for Stafford, which is going to carry a lot of value. Um, I, you know, I, I think the Rams are in a really bad salary cap space. So if they have an out on Robert Woods, I would not be surprised if they took that out. I actually was kind of arguing with somebody on Twitter earlier this week about Josh Reynolds and how like he's completely worthless to me. So Mitch, you kind of came in uh, shooting blanks there, (laughs) honestly. And I I like Brian Edwards, but I I just think that John had a little bit of an edge on the argument's sake, even though Trey had the, you know, the the shock factor with, you know, Brian Edwards is better than Justin Jefferson and AJ Brown per target, bro. Well, I don't know what to say because it's been so long since I won. I just want to take a moment and thank the man upstairs. I think his name's Dave. Uh, but, you know, thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks, Dave. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Dave. Dave. All right, Dave. <laughs> All right. Let us get into this second half of the long game content. In this second half, we're going to be talking about the other two teams in the NFC East, and that is the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. So we'll start with the Giants. The QB, Danny Dimes, Danny Tencent Peace, Dave as Dimes. Chris Harris calls him. Dave Dimes. <laughs> Dave Upstairs Dimes. All right, we got him QB 26 in our consensus rankings. And I mean, I can see us being a little low on him here given his rushing upside and the amount of investment they've put into that offense around Daniel Jones, that core of weapons. I could see him, you know, finishing a lot better than QB 26, but also he kind of sucks. So uh, Mitch, what, what do you think about Danny? Yeah, Jones here? I, I'd be willing to rank Daniel Jones higher if like he would stop sucking shit at football. And I, I think that's his just biggest problem is that like it, he was QB 23 in 2019 and QB 24 in 2020, which like doesn't sound that bad, except when you realize that QB 24 is last place among quarterbacks that played 14 games. Like his rushing upside is negated by his passing inability. And like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I am so far out on Dave here. Like uh, punt him to the sun, please. Yeah. I think the issue with, uh, with Daniel Jones has been the turnovers. I mean, he had 20 or 
uh, 12 interceptions as a as a rookie and 10 interceptions last year, and he had almost as many fumbles each year too. So, uh, you know, if he's throwing the ball as we think they're probably going to have to throw it this year to compete in New York, I mean, he's looking at 15, 20 interceptions this year. So, uh, I mean, that's not a, a recipe for success long-term uh, for your team to believe in you. And um, so I think there's legitimate questions if he's the long-term answer in that offense, which probably why we're all uh, fading him a little bit compared to uh, maybe the rest of the market. We would be remiss if we didn't mention that his offensive line was basically had no experience playing together previous to last year and that Saquon was out for most of the season. They've, they're going to have much better weapons this year, and this is definitely a make-or-break season for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he's ever going to be thinking... I mean, his ceiling is a quarterback, too, right? It's never going to be... He's never going to be a quarterback one. Um, so he'll be a viable option, maybe in Superflex, but it could definitely turn south real quick this year. Well, let's let's talk about Saquon Barkley, just the absolute stud running back that they have there in New York. Um, I have him as my RB2 in Dynasty. I recently moved him up over Jonathan Taylor to that spot. And honestly, after I like sat there and thought about it, I don't think it's particularly close between him and whoever RB3 is. For me, it's Jonathan Taylor, but it could be, you know, Dalvin, etc. So can somebody can maybe try to convince me otherwise, or at least convince me that it's close between him and Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin and Alvin Kamara, like they're in the same tier? Let me let me let me start. So Jonathan Taylor is two years younger, and okay. he's also not coming off of a massive season-ending injury. So mm-hmm. I I think it is fair, more than fair, to have uh, JT above him, even if we wouldn't necessarily project JT to you know outscore him in uh, in 2021, just because you're going to get those extra three or four years out of JT. Whereas I don't know how much longer Barkley's going to have coming off of that massive injury. I don't know. I, he seems like he's built differently and he's a running freak. backs and wide receivers tend to recover a lot better than they used to from ACL tears. And like, it was not one of those messy Joe Burrow. Everything was fucking torn kind of situations. Like it was a clean, clean tear his rehabs like Tarek said he's a freak like I would not be worrying about Saquon Barkley recovering from this injury but maybe that's maybe I got my blinders on man Jonathan Taylor's pretty freakish too I mean he he set like the record at the combine for the 40 at like 230 pounds so I you know I I, he's he's in the same ballpark as Barkley and he's two years younger I don't disagree with you there yeah I I just I think that's fair they're both like athletic freaks but in addition to being an athletic freak, I think Saquon Barkley is like one of the best running backs we've seen since Barry Sanders, right? Yeah. So I think like if I'm not that concerned about him coming off of the injury, putting him up against these other running backs, some of them like Dalvin also have pretty serious injury concerns. And some of them like JT, I, I haven't seen the same kind of just talent and ability that I've seen out of Saquon Barkley. And that's what I kind of want to bet on long term. Uh, as my dynasty running back. So that's why I have him as running back too. Um, and I don't think it's particularly close, but obviously, I mean, I just came to that realization because I just moved him up. So I don't want to be too dramatic here, but I'm just really dug in on Saquon Barkley being the RB2. I mean, like poor Barry too. Barry Sanders, like you mentioned, his team just sucks and his offensive yeah. line sucks. And that, that sucks for him, man. 
Yeah, and and I know we're we're talking about Saquon Barkley, but the case for Dalvin Cook is he could very easily lead the league in touches this year with how much volume he gets on the ground and through the passing game. Whereas, yeah, you know, Barkley's going to be in the same ballpark, top six. But um, you know, we're we're nitpicking here, right? These are all top five options, and um, as many of them as you can get for your contending roster, the better. All right, so yeah, Saquon Barkley is good. All right, wide receivers. <laughs> So this is a this is a kind of a crowded room, like a low key crowded room in New York. So obviously kind of at the top of the depth chart easily is Kenny G. He's the alpha big time free agent signing four years, 72 million dollars. And, you know, what a lot of people have been talking about this offseason when it comes to Kenny G is that the buzz is all about how Daniel Jones was actually quite good on his downfield throws last year. So he had one hundred and forty three passer rating five touchdowns and zero interceptions throwing more than 20 yards down the field. Is that just small sample size theater or is this actually something that we could say is good for Kenny G? Well, if I'm trying to sell Kenny G, I'm uh, making sure to include that information on my trade offer. I, I think I'm, I think I'm selling on Kenny G here if I have him, but I, I it's gotta be some good news because chances are if you had Kenny G and you were hoping he went to a greener pastures, and he went there, and he went to New York, uh, that's got to be relatively good news. And he is the alpha there. All the rest of the guys, uh, not so sure about. So, Yeah. yeah there's... Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, thanks. Uh, one of the things I was going to say is uh, just looking at the ranks here on DLF, uh, Kenny G is currently the wide receiver 24 and Amari Cooper, who we just talked about, is all the way up at wide receiver 16, which I think a lot of us kind of have it flipped in our ranks, and I'm definitely going to go in and update mine and put Cooper above because he's a year younger and he is in a much better situation. He's going to get way better quality of targets from Dak than uh, Kenny Galladay is going to get from uh, from Danny Dimes. And, yeah, I, I it's a great situation for him in terms of volume, but I think he's probably going to see a lot of double coverage this year. Yeah, I think that's a that, that's a good point because there there's not a lot of teams that have such a clear dichotomy between wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Like between Galladay and whoever the wide receiver two ends up being on that team, it's very clear that Galladay is the guy to uh, that they're going to need to cover. But I think that the return of Saquon might alleviate some of that. I think Danny Dimes will be throwing it out of the backfield a lot. And maybe Galladay is kind of more of the uh, downfield threat more than the middle of the field threat. Um, and so maybe he turns into a boomer bust player, but I still think he's in the wide receiver two range. Trey, I love to see mid episode rankings adjustment. That just, <laughs> that just gives me a, a dopamine hit. I love, I love that shit. All right. Um, so after Kenny Galladay at the top, uh, our consensus wide receiver 17, but might be falling pending, uh, Trey's adjustments. <laughs> we have this trifecta of receivers that are kind of like outside of the top 50. We bad. got the rookie. We got the rookie Kadarius Tony at wide receiver 51 in consensus. Darius Slayton at wide receiver 55 and Sterling Shepard at wide receiver 62. So Kadarius, Tony, Trey, you have him down at 65 as the lowest among us, but he certainly has the most upside out of the three, right? Would you, would you say that's fair? Yeah. So I'll repeat myself a little bit. I think uh, it, if you just look at draft capital, sure. Right. They just invested the first round picking them and Darius Slayton's only got a fifth rounder attached to him, but 
you know, do you trust Jason Garrett to get Kadarius Tony the volume that he's going to need to really develop? Because uh, the story around him is that, well, you know, he was playing quarterback before he got to Florida, and then he had to learn the receiver position, so that's why it was a late breakout. And it's like, well, okay, so what's going to happen in the Giants' offense? Are they going to like feed him the rock? You know, are they going to use him for like two or three jet sweeps a game, or are they going to get it to the guys that actually know how to play receiver, which are Shepard and Slayton? Well, I was going to say, you know, who used to play quarterback, uh, your your best friend, Jason Garrett. And so, I don't know, man, maybe they're over there uh, drawing up. Jason Garrett together. is not my best friend, just to be clear. <laughs> man, I don't I, know him personally on at, at any level at all, but I'm glad he's not in Dallas anymore. I'll say that. Old old turf toe Tommy. Listen, he, he's got the most upside because the other guys simply don't. And that's like Shepard and Slayton are like, you don't want... You don't want to be in that situation in Dynasty right now. Uh, yeah, so that's, I think, why we have old turf toe ahead of these dudes. John, you traded for Darius Slayton kind of early in the offseason, but since then they signed Kenny Galladay and they drafted Kadarius Tony. So where are you on Darius Slayton right uh, now? I'm in the exact same place I was. Uh, what I thought was going to transpire is exactly what transpired. I've got him ranked the highest of these three guys. I think Tony steps in and runs Shepard out of his job in the slot. And I think Darius Slayton is the clear wide receiver too in this offense. Uh, I mean, sorry, on the outside. Uh, so you've got Galladay and Slayton on the outside, and you've got Tony uh, at the in the slot. And I I like that. I think that Slayton offers some upside there, maybe as a flex player, uh, as a depth piece on your team. And I think uh, if any of these players should be worried, it's Sterling Shepard. I think he's the one who's out of the job based no. on that. No, Tony it's John Ross drafting. that is extra out of the job. <laughs> We should talk about John Ross. John, I I, I agree with you, man. I, I, I think Slayton's got a lot of room to go up from that wide receiver 79 ADP right now. And uh, if Tarek had to let me pick him for halftime, I probably would have picked him too. Nice. All right. Sweet. Well, you still won, dude. It's fine. No, I didn't. I am, <laughs> I, I am a – he Trey won in our hearts. <laughs> I, I am a longtime Sterling Shepard rosterer, longtime Sterling Shepard manager in Dynasty. I think he's really good. He's another Matt Harmon darling kind of like guy who gets really good separation, runs really good routes. But I dinged him down to wide receiver 78 after they drafted Tony. I think Tony's going to completely eat his lunch. Yep. You know, Definitely. I think it's possible – I think it's possible that Sterling Shepard could go back outside and take over Slayton's role, but I do think that Slayton is ultimately better in that role. So uh, they've used him on the outside a lot um, in the past, even though he's probably better suited for this slot. So we'll just kind of have to see how it shakes out. But if I'm going to choose one guy to get his lunch eaten, as we like to say on this podcast, it's Sterling Shepard. Definitely. All right. The tight ends, uh, we got Evan Ingram at tight end 16. Uh, I think Evan Ingram is really bad at football. I have him <laughs> in I have I have him in the range uh, of you know tight end 15, tight end 16 in my rankings. I just think he's horrible. Like I and I, I think like I'm closer to like nuking him down to tight end 28 than I am to elevating him to tight end 14. Yeah, like, that's, that's where I'm at. It. That's where I'm at too. I think I I've, love it. I've got him at uh, twenty. I've got him at twenty three. I don't. I don't see the upside. I, I think he's a tight end too at best, and that's all he's ever going to be. That's all he's ever shown. Maybe he'll learn how to catch, man. I I don't know. Jury's jury's still out. I have him at seventeen, so I think we're all 
all in this same boat, swimming as far away from Evan Ingram as possible, unless Trey wants to uh, save this conversation. Come on, Trey. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to spend a lot of time defending Evan Ingram. I think his upside is a tight end twelve. You know, yeah. so uh, not somebody that you should be targeting for a contending roster. And with his age, not somebody should be targeting for a rebuild either. Yeah, I remember last year, Jason Garrett talking about how, you know, how great Evan Ingram was going to be in his offense. Don't trust Jason Garrett. Fuck him. (laughs) And drop Kyle Rudolph. All right. Yeah. So um, for our last team, I believe we have a guest voice that's coming in, Mitch. Is that true or has has that passed on? Uh, So Emily, my my girlfriend is not currently home, but she wanted me to extend uh, to extend a message here. Uh, the Eagles need to bring back Mr. Big PP. Uh, that uh, that I think she thinks our podcast is <laughs> PG thirteen or something. So I'm going to clarify that uh, there's no love for Jalen Hurts here. Uh, I think the Eagles faithful would like uh, Nick Foles back there in Philly. So well well endowed Nick Foles. Yes, allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> I think I think that I think it's been confirmed by multiple parties. I, I think I think the journalistic requirement for proof has been met as far as uh, as Nick Foles. All right. So speaking of Nick Foles, let's talk about quarterbacks. Mitch mentioned him. Jalen Hurts. He's QB 11 in our consensus rankings. John's got him down at QB 18 and Mitch has him at QB eight. So since Trey has him at 12, talk Talk about why you might be hedging a little bit, and then we can let John and Mitch duke it out. Man, it's tough. Uh, so Philly didn't obviously did not have a great year last year. Uh, they had that divided locker room situation with the with Hertz and Wentz still on the on the roster, and obviously Wentz is gone, and now it's presumably uh, Jalen Hertz's team. I mean, obviously he's got great rushing upside, so that's what you're banking on here. Uh, he has not really shown in his time in the NFL that he is a capable NFL quarterback with his arm, but who knows? Maybe with Devontae Smith, maybe with uh, you know some of the uh, O line health, uh, you know maybe he could turn things around this year. Uh, but if he's running it six, seven times a game and he's scoring some points on the ground, then uh, yeah, he's definitely a viable. Uh, QB one option. I think he's going to get drafted probably as a starting quarterback in a redraft just because of that rushing upside and people remem- remembering what Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray have done in the past. So uh, he's going to get a lot of hype uh, from that point of view. Um, I'm hedging a little bit just because I think his future is in doubt until we really see him prove it with that arm. Okay, so speaking of hype, Mitch, why is Jalen Hurts a top eight dynasty quarterback? Because I'm buying that hype because like with that running upside, they didn't draft anybody to take his place. They had the opportunity to do so. Instead, they got him a weapon in Devonta Smith. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think that I'm a gambling man. You know, I see the I see the potential here. I absolutely see why Trey is hedging. Of course, that, that makes sense. But I think, like, you got to get in early if you wanna if you wanna get the rewards for this one. And with that upside, with he, he could potentially be a, a top top five guy. And so, like, you guys have him at twelve, and that price is significantly cheaper now. So if you want to get in on the Hertz business, I think now is the time to do it. Yeah, I I think if you're betting on Hertz long-term as a top eight dynasty quarterback, not for 2021, but 2021 and beyond. 
For me, it's because you're betting on his like leadership capabilities, the fact that he's a winner and the fact that he he routinely got things done in college and played all things considered really well last year. So I think like that swagginess that that a guy like Dak Prescott has it is worth something. I mean, maybe it's not analytically uh, sound, but it's I think it's worth something. So well, hang on. Hang on. He had a 52% completion percentage last year. So he was he was good in certain ways and really bad. Yeah. Ways. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but let's talk about that wide receiver core and that offense. Well, well, I wanted like, to give John an a, a, an opportunity to talk about why he's got him all the way down at QB 18. So go for it, John. You know, Mitch, I really like your commitment to Jalen Hurts. I think it's admirable, but I'm not sure that the, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles have made the same commitment to Jalen Hurts at this point. I think they've had a lot of opportunities to commit to him, and they haven't done that yet. Look, they're going to see what they've got in him. This is his season. They're going to see what they've got. He's going to play every game, but they've got a lot of draft capital, and if he has a few bad games in there, they're going to think real hard about drafting a QB. Uh, so I'm not sure about the long term here, and that's why I'm playing it safe. Um, I, I think he's got good upside, but I ha- I didn't really see it what you saw in that small small sample size, but I'm not really discounting any of those performances on the offense from last year because it was a real cluster out there. But it's it's more a wait and see for me right now. Uh, I'm not ready to make that jump just yet. A, a real cluster PP, as Emily would say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let let's go on to the pass catchers, and then we'll talk about the running backs at the end. So. Uh, the wide receivers in Philly, they drafted who is ostensibly their wide receiver one in Devontae Smith at uh, number 10 overall in the NFL draft. They jumped the Giants, who we talked about earlier, traded with the Dallas Cowboys to get him. What is his ceiling with Jalen Hurts throwing the ball? Let's let's not think about the potential of Jalen Hurts to be replaced, but let's say Jalen Hurts is the option for the next couple of years. What is Devontae Smith's ceiling? I don't know, man. I mean, so right now we're we're looking at a totally like wide open room, right? So Devontae Smith could come in and take over day one and he could command, you know, eight plus targets a game. Or, you know, he could maybe struggle to adjust, get uh, pushed around by the bigger cornerbacks that he's going to see because every single cornerback he's faced is going to be bigger and stronger than he is. Uh, and, and maybe he's only getting, you know, five, six targets a game. I don't know. I, we know the guy's a baller. We know he absolutely knows how to like get open and, and work his way you know, down the field and create yards after the catch. But um, I don't know. It's just a, I think it's a matter of just seeing how much volume he's going to get in that offense. I don't think they're going to be throwing a ton because of the questions with Jalen Hurts arm. So, you know, his upside is probably capped by some of the limitations we know with Hurts as well as you know, maybe Rager develops. Maybe they still like what they've got in Travis Fulgham. So we'll see. I, I, I'm just not buying that the, I just didn't see it in Hurts. Like, like I, I just, I think with the pieces in play here, Rager wasn't great either. I, Devonte is going to be the one getting these these looks and they're going to be game planning for him. And so, like, the question Tarek asked was, like, is Hurts moving forward, say, the next couple of years with with um Smith like that that potential for them to work together and to grow um it's there but like I I don't think that Hurts necessarily makes him better as Evan Silva and Adam Levitan say there is a shower narrative between Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith because they did spend some time in Alabama together all right so 
I, I think Devontae Smith is a baller. I think he's going to soak up targets in that offense. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on Devontae Smith. I have him as, as a wide receiver too right now. And I think his ceiling is, is really high. Let's talk about Jalen Rager, who is wide receiver 53 in our consensus. And he had one of the worst seasons our guy, Matt Harmon, has ever charted on reception perception. Guys, literally, literally in the first percentile in terms of success rate versus man. John, what the fuck happened, man? Is is this guy worth targeting as a bounce back? And, and what should the price be? Oh, well, the first question is easy. The second one was hard. Come on now. Uh, the, the first question. Yeah, he's definitely worth the target. He's going to he's going to be the clear number two behind Devonte Smith, uh, I think. And I'm with you there. I think Smith is a total baller. I've got him right there in the wide receiver two range as well. I think he's going to ball out this year, regardless of who his quarterback is. And I think that's good for Jalen Rager because I think that last year he couldn't find any open spaces. I think he was the only receiving option out there. Um, and that's not going to be the case anymore. Um, so I definitely think, for me at least, and I'm probably in the minority here, I definitely think he's a target for bounce back this year. Now, what does that mean exactly? I think we're talking wide receiver three range, probably at the best. Um, so, John, what would you pay? What would you pay for? Funny you ask, because that's exactly what I was about to segue to. Uh, so what would you pay for a wide receiver three? So maybe you, uh, it, it depends on what your situation, right? So if you're a contender, don't buy Jalen Rager. Come on, what are you doing? If you're rebuilding, though, and you're trying to target cheap wide receivers, maybe you got a vet that you could flip for him. Maybe uh, maybe Robbie Anderson is a little expensive, but uh, maybe someone else in that range, uh, someone who's aging, that's going to be decent this season as, as a wide receiver three, but going to hit that cliff. Uh, that's the sort of thing. If I'm rebuilding, I'm going to try and take a chance on Jalen Rager because look, he was a, he was a, he had the early draft capital, so he's going to get his opportunities. It's not like he's getting cut this season or anything. He's going to be around for a couple more years. So he's going to still get his chances. Uh, unless, you know, he turns into JJ Arcego. Would you pay like a 2022 second? Uh, would I? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I would. Yeah, I would okay. take that shot on him. Yeah, definitely. I would not. I would not either. I wouldn't as a rebuilding team, though. If if you believe in Jalen Rager, he also recently said uh, in in an in an interview that he was likely going to move and start playing more in the slot, which I think would be really good because he had a whopping 14th percentile success rate from the <laughs> slot. Uh, or from zone coverage, excuse me, which we he would see a lot more of from the slot. But who? Somebody who might be the wide receiver one in this offense, um, if Devontae Smith isn't quite ready, is somebody who's been the wide receiver one there for the last year or two, and that's Dallas Goddard. And we have him at tight end eight. And also technically still Zach Ertz is tight end 23 in our consensus rankings. He's on the team, but I don't. I wouldn't expect that he remains on the team. He didn't show up to OTAs. He wants out, so he's holding out. So let's just talk Goddard here. Goddard at tight end eight. Is this a guy that can take the next step? Are you targeting him or not? I didn't I didn't like his splits with uh Jalen Hurts myself. I liked him a lot better with Wentz. I'm I still have him up there as my uh tight end seven because I think he's still that guy. Uh but that's just in Dynasty. I think his outlook for this season, maybe we have to we have to moderate our expectations just because uh it wasn't quite as good with Jalen Hurts. And maybe that's just because they were developing a relationship and that changes, but that's another wait and see for me this season yeah i'm into it i i think he's been ascending to be that guy and he's just been one of those dudes that just hasn't completely grasped the job yet and like or like the the, the starting fantasy tight end job for our rosters either he's always somebody that we're just 
on the fringe of starting, and I'm hoping that he makes that leap this year. Um, but with the the Ertz thing is irritating, if anything, because what if what if he just decides to show up? Then what? Then you have a mess again. So there's more risk involved than just ignoring him too. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see him cut after June 1st. But, you know, there is always that possibility that he could just be an annoying thorn in the side like he has been the last two years. Let's close out the show and talk about the running backs in Philadelphia. Uh, so we have Miles Sanders at RB15, and he's been kind of falling down ranks community-wide a bit with their drafting of Gainwell and their claiming off of the waivers of carry-on. John, you still have Sanders at RB13. So what makes him a borderline RB1 for you despite these moves? Well, who who are we talking about on this offense? We're talking about Monte Smith. We're talking about Jalen Rager. We're talking about Jalen Hurts. These are young guys, and they're going to need to have time to develop. So they're going to lean on the run game. So I think that Miles Sanders is getting the volume, uh, at least at the beginning of the season. And people forget that in 2019, this guy was, as a rookie, he was at nearly a thousand yards rushing and at last year he only played 12 games and he was scoring 13 half ppr points per game in the 12 games that he played that's basically the same as antonio gibson and deandre swift who are guys that people have as running back ones in dynasty so i i'm not ready to start sleeping on miles sanders just yet i i don't like i think i think i said it earlier that i'm not discounting any of the eagles performances from last year because it was such a cluster i think miles sanders is still that guy and i don't care who they drafted or brought in he was he still has that ability and he still has that potential and i think he still belongs in the running back one conversation yeah i mean so i firmly do do not have miles sanders as a uh, running back one uh in his first year you know he averaged uh, 11 carries a game in his second year uh 13 and a half carries a game so for him to start getting volume, that would just be putting your faith in this new offensive system with Nick Sirianni and and the guys that he's brought in. So uh, maybe it happens, and maybe it make he makes the jump. Uh, but you know, Sanders is also coming off of some serious injury issues. I think there's a big injury risk here, which is why I was uh, starting to move him down my ranks. And there's enough other guys in this RB two tier that are ready to take that jump to the next level that I'd rather target uh, some of the upside there rather than the guy that we've already seen two years of who's uh, had his ups and downs. Yeah, I still want to capture that upside. I I think that he's still young enough and still good enough. Uh, I'm not sure about these major injuries. His injuries are not ACL tears and things that are detrimental to uh, him missing a whole lot of time. Um, I think he's still... I think... Where is he for me? 15. He's 15 for you, Yeah, Mitch. Yeah. yeah, and like... You know, he, he's fringe wide receiver, or wide, or fringe running back one, but he is kind of a running back two, a high end running back two. But somebody I'm still like, somebody I'm still happy to have on my team. I was uh, texting you guys about this before uh, we started recording, and I, I have this tier of RB2s between like Joe Mixon at RB14 and Miles Sanders at RB20. These are my personal ranks. I know, I know Mitch would not agree with Joe Mixon being that high up, but. <laughs> Um, it, the, that tier is the hardest ranking in dynasty for me right now between basically RB 14 and RB 20. You got guys like Mixon, Eckler, Edwards, Alaire, the new guys in Etienne and Williams for me, it's just like really hard for me to rank those guys. But 
Miles Sanders, I got him at the bottom of that tier right now at RB20 for a lot of the reasons that uh, Trey was saying. I just think like he he hasn't done enough with his opportunities. And every time he gets that workhorse role, he gets hurt. So I, I think that is becoming kind of a pattern in his first two years. So, But I, I, I could see it going up. So I'm kind of targeting these other guys in that range right now. Let's uh, let's revisit this conversation when we do Joe Mixon. for the And let's uh, say what you just said when we're talking about Joe Mixon then. <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah, I will. I will. I will hold off from talking about all these guys right now. Let's actually let's just let's just put this on record right now. What what are we putting on record? Trey? I, Joe Mixon will outscore Miles Sanders health permitting, right? 100 yeah. percent. I, I we will we will bet that right now. Absolutely. Mitch, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take the bet. All right. I'm team. I'm team Miles. No, it's it's me and Trey versus Mitch. Mixon will outscore Miles Sanders, and Mitch thinks Miles Sanders will outscore Mixon in 2021. We good with that? I want three halftime points for this victory. Okay, three. I will give you. I'll give you five. <laughs> All right. That, I, I think I think you're gonna need it, Mizzo. Especially after today's performance. Right. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Fucking Josh Reynolds. All right, guys. On that note. <laughs> Let us close out uh, this episode of the long game. It was really fun to talk veterans. We'll try to move a little bit faster moving forward, but you know what? We're, we're, we're stretching our legs. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, We will be talking AFC East next week. So we will see you then. All right, homies. Talk to you later. See ya. Goodbye. Later. Peace.